0: One, two, three, four. You're listening to Highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Dr. George McGinnis of the Benaki Museum in Athens, Greece. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Now, the if we are uh, to use a few words to characterize the Benaki, we can say it is the only museum in the world that Presents Greek culture from prehistory to the 21st century mm-hmm. and culture seen holistically. So, not just fine art, but also applied arts, and historical documents, literature, photography, architecture. It's a very inclusive mm-hmm. perception of art, but also in relation to global art, to world art and world cultures. So fascinating how one object can tell you about a whole culture and society. How you draw all these stories from that. Yes. It is, and that the most the most common uh, example of this, of course, is what objects can tell you about contacts with other cultures. Yes. Yeah. This is an even more uh, striking example, and for example, when you get. The famous m- monsters or composite creatures of Greek mythology, like the Sphinx mm. or the Centaur, the Sphinx, which is basically a lion with wings and a, a, a woman's head, mm. or a Centaur, who is half horse, half male, uh, human male. Um, and these complex creatures come from the East, they originate in ancient Iran and the Middle East but we, are so, we we think they're very Greek, of course. But there was a point in the 8th century BC when the Greeks uh, left their homelands and expanded eastwards towards what is today Turkey, creating colonies, peaceful colonies, trading colonies, and bringing in Back into their homelands, sending back into their homelands works of art, but also images and ideas that were prevalent in the powerful kingdoms of the Near East. Mm-hmm. And in that way, in sort of injecting Greek culture with these powerful figures of mm-hmm. mythical creatures that went into Greek mythology and are so familiar to us through Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. So that is another very fascinating aspect of small objects that can sort of tell you a lot about history and the past. An icon is not a window that tries to deceive you that you're looking out onto an actual landscape or onto an actual scene, it is actually a key to unlock the meaning of the landscape or the scene. What I'm saying is that it doesn't look real. Mm. It looks true. Yes. And that's why Byzantine art is so popular with modern artists. Mm. Because a modern artist doesn't try to, do, to paint a photograph mm. of the world. A modern artist tries to explain the world, to give you the meaning of what is depicted. Yes. In that sense It was Byzantine art, an icon like this, was not popular until the nineteenth century, when art was focused on the depiction of reality. But it became suddenly very popular in the early twentieth century, when artists started focusing on different aspects of the world, Mm. on what goes, what is beyond the image. Yeah, how, how we feel the world. How we feel the world, how we explain, how we perceive the world. Mm. And then we go into the early modern Greek collection, which is the best in the world, basically, mm. yeah. uh, and spans the 16th, eight, uh, 17th, 18th and 19th centuries here interestingly the focus moves away from the works of the great artists you know fine art and goes into aspects of art which we tend to consider decorative or lesser in the canon for example embroidery because women were involved exactly, in the production <laughs> because women did them and you got exactly my point for example these unbelievable Unbelievable embroideries. The famous wedding bed from Rhodes, which is four meters tall mm. and was probably used a few days every decade or mm. if at all. It was unpacked for the wedding and then repacked. That's why it's in beautiful shape. Wonderful. And, yes. Vibrant colors even going back all these years, you know. Yes, it's, it's an 18th century bed. Yeah. And also, you know, all sorts of images from... Greek life and a spectacular collection of costume. Mm -hmm. But again, because this was the woman's realm. However, when Icon painting became sort of fossilized after the 16th century, this art was incredibly creative and vibrant down to the 19th century. And the founder of the museum, Benarkis, was one of the earliest collectors of this art. You're exposed to archaeology and art from a very young age. It's hard to avoid. Although Athens is not a particularly beautiful city and it's not like Paris where art is at every corner, nevertheless, at school, when you go on holiday, you will come across an incredible archaeological site or a beautiful museum. Actually, my first memory, my first memory, when I was five, was one of the rooms at the Benarki, the room oh, you know, this, this room nice. yes, that was oh. my first memory because I came yes. here basically on first grade you know, uh-huh. at school. and I thought, how can someone live in something as beautiful as this? Yeah so we are exposed to that. yeah, uh, inevitably, as I guess Italians are, or uh, Indians or the Chinese, mm-hmm. because they live in so in countries with such a deep culture mm. and there's so much art. I don't, uh, the church may have something to do, because of course churches are quite beautifully decorated, but not all of them in very good taste. If you're lucky enough to live in a, mm. a, near a church with good painting, it is quite a striking experience. A good church is an art experience, yes. you know, because paintings start literally at floor level and they go all the way up 15 meters to the dome. And it's like a gallery of work, somehow. Well, obviously the greatest revolution, technological revolution ever, was the internet. And we have become inundated by it and completely stuck on it in recent years, especially through our phones. This has to be embraced. We have Mm -hmm. to embrace it but we also have to uh, use it as a way to enrich ourselves as physical beings. I think we have been disembodied through this. We experience things not with our bodies, but with our thumbs and our eyes. So museums can give you this embodied experience. You can be somewhere, be physically, move up and down, front and back, left and right. You can see, but you can see in 3D. Not an illusionary 3D, but an actual 3D. And you can feel, you can smell. Mm. Let's not forsake travel. Let's not forsake saviors, um, savers. Let's not forsake taste and smell and actual vision. Mm. So by combining the access to information which the Internet gives us, and modern technology gives us, with the ability to travel, which we actually have now much more than ever before, I think we can build a better humanity. We can realize our shared humanity and move forward in a more healthy way, Uh, healthy for everyone, healthy for the planet and healthy for us. So if we can somehow tone down the finger work and become more physical more embodied uh, that would be ideal and museums can help in that we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast to listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews click subscribe thank you for listening